Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie, and we are back with another episode covering the preseason. With each day, we are one step closer to the first official game of the 2024 AFL season. But Lockie, this week, it's been a bit different. It's been a bit more exciting than others, I think you could say. You're not wrong at all. We're close. We had a game. If you want to call it a game... It's got a whole bunch of different names. People are referring yeah. to it as different things, but essentially mm. footy's back. Yeah, a simulation of sorts, but I think it's it's great. Finally, yeah. something tangible to talk about, some actual footy. Even if it was a bit of a glorified training session, it's something to finally hang your hat on. And look, now before mm. we, we get stuck in, there is something we need to talk about here on the Navy Blue Corner, and it's something I'm sure every podcast listener they just love to hear. That is, of course, podcast <laughs> admin and housekeeping. Oh, we do like our admin over here. Mm-hmm. We love it. It should almost be a recurring weekly segment where we just come on here each week and just have a discussion that we should yeah. probably have in private on the podcast live <laughs> for you guys to listen to. I'm it's sure true. that's riveting content. But look, now those who have, I guess, followed us this offseason – they know that there have been some changes to the podcast this year. Mm-hmm. We've got a brand new home on YouTube here on Blue Abroad, which means the show has a bit of a new time slot of, of Wednesday nights. I know this week, because yep. of the practice match, it's Wednesday morning, but Wednesday nights will be there every other week. And look, previously, the podcast, because it was earlier in the week, was a quite match review-esque Given yes. that we'll be releasing these episodes now midweek, you probably don't want to hear a play-by-play match review of a game you've kind of already moved on from. So we're going to be mm-hmm. doing things a little bit different this year. And today's episode is basically going to be a bit of a soft launch on that concept. The Navy Blue Corner show in 2024 will be us doing what we do best in giving our level-headed and rational analysis to all the big talking points from the previous game and week surrounding the Carlton Football Club with many segments throughout each episode, allowing us to basically play devil's advocate and attempt to be the voice <laughs> of reason amongst the reactionary and clickbaity discourse in the wider football community. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get into it with our first segment where each week we're going to be reacting to and giving our thoughts on the biggest and hottest topics every single week. It is Navy noise. Lockie, what Mm -hmm. has grabbed your attention this week? And maybe we've got to get a sting for each of these segments as well as we go throughout the year. (laughs) We've we've thrown so much talk out over the last couple of years about all these stings and Mm. the like. So now that we've got this new home on YouTube, I think it's time that we pull the yeah. finger out and actually start doing that, which is exciting. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, I think a worthy first Navy noise topic for us would be to touch on the injuries. Mm. I think, you know, the, the fact that we got the boys in the park, it kind of, you know, that created a bit of an avenue for us to see, well, who is actually going to be out there? Are there any injuries yes. we're not sure of? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um were there any kind of names that you think are, are, were notable to touch on that you wanted to, you know, give a take on? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll somewhat run through the injury list that came out last week because yeah, obviously Sam Walsh was the biggest one. It's something we will, we've got another segment later in the show where we're really going to deep dive into that. Mm-hmm. But it was the big talk of last week, unknown time frame at this stage with his back. He's going to miss yep. the Melbourne preseason game. He's missed the Geelong match simulation. Somewhat cloud over him for opening round. I guess it's a bit of a wait and see. So that's obviously always a big concern, knowing that he is one of our best players. And we just kind of don't know what's going on exactly with his injury or when he will play. Um, we know Weedering with his calf strain is going to miss at least the first two games of the year. Probably the one that almost came out of nowhere. We heard rumblings, but it's probably going to be Jack Martin with his MCL strain, two to three mm-hmm. weeks. But he's back into full training this week, according to the Carlton injury report. So I think that's a good sign that he is at least training and he is just a little bit away, but probably really disappointing that he is someone that will miss some time considering you don't have Jack Silvani. There's kind of question marks over what is our best makeup in the forward line? Uh, I guess, what do you make of the injury and his absence that leaves in the squad? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I think it was... Yeah, it was notable, I guess, in the game simulation against mm. Geelong. Like, you know, there was kind of 
we had Moyer out there in that role. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the simulation a bit later. But, you know, it's it's definitely a gap because I, I think mm-hmm. uh, particularly for you, it's like Jack Martin is, you know, is a best 22 guy in this, you know, in this team and a really pivotal part of this forward line when he's playing at his best. So uh, it's definitely going to be a hole that, um, you know, needs to be filled. Yeah, and I guess he is that kind of mid-size hybrid forward, um, which we don't have a lot of in the squad. Jack no, Silvani would have probably been. If he wasn't already best 22, it's the easiest, I guess, replacement you could say for a Jack mm. Martin in that pressure role. He's obviously not playing. Jack Martin might, well, is in doubt for opening round. So I guess if he doesn't yeah. get up, yep. Lockie, who do you have yes. replacing him? I know it's an early shout before we've seen probably the most competitive game we're going to see before opening round. And then my follow-on question from that yep. is basically going to be, is it an area of concern, I guess, given the fact that we we don't have that obvious replacement and knowing Jack Martin's injury history? Mm, I mean, the injury history is a, a very good point. Like it, I feel like he is just kind of one of these players that we're just never going to be able to bank on a really, really long run of games in a row. Like I think that's just I think that's just where we're at. Like we we can't be kidding ourselves any longer on that. Mm. Um in terms of replacing it, I'm still so unsure what kind of yeah. forward line we're gonna roll out. So it's it's hard to know. Like I think yeah. The the in terms of a like for like, I just don't that it's not gonna happen. I yeah. don't see I don't see Moya playing round one. Um you know, are they gonna play Pitt and, and go with the mm. three tools in the forward line? Maybe that's the play. It's going to be interesting. I don't have a solid answer on it yet either. No. Just because of that, I think Moyer's the most like-for-like, if you can even say that, but he's, he's yeah. so raw. You definitely saw yeah. that in the in the match sim. I wouldn't be banking on him being ready. He's not listed in the no, first no. team to play against Melbourne either. So the pressure's off him. If he plays well, then get him in there. Otherwise, we don't need to be rushing these 18-year-olds in. So I kind of agree with you. I think it'll be a a committee-based system that we go forth. Knowing that we've got a lot of these high half forwards, we're not sure exactly what the mix is. There's a lot of guys putting their hand up. Wouldn't surprise me if his role, to a degree, I know it's different, but like a a Fogarty almost takes that kind of spot. Uh, But talking about other sort of small forwards in here as well. Always and Durden, mm-hmm. both being put on the injury list. They both say they're two weeks away, but they're back into full training. So it's obviously a bit of conditioning mm-hmm. that they're needing with the calf and hamstring injuries. Does this make the path for, uh, I guess, <laughs> Motlop and Fantasia being those starting two small forwards a little bit easier for you come opening round? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I know we didn't want to, take too much from like you know the mm. preseason as we try not to overreact but uh, for me I-, I guess Motlop and Fantasia being the two guys in opening round mm. feels pretty good to me mm. I-, I believe with really those two being the most match fit having such a, a yeah. bulk of of training behind them match sims practice matches conditioning all of that fun stuff compared exactly. to you know always and Durden have had that interrupted preseason if as long as they stay healthy, touch wood, it's really theirs to lose yep. from here. Because I'm not sure for the first game of the season, you can really start selecting an, an always or Durden off the back of no competitive football. Yeah. I know, I know. Sometimes you, you see a lot in training, and that can kind of be the deciding factor. Right now, for opening round, I kind of want to go with my freshest, most fit team. And right now, I think that does look like it will be Motlop and Fantasia in that forward line. Yeah, having a quick squeeze at that, the team that we're mm. going to be rolling out with against Melbourne, uh, like it feels like, you know, pretty similar yeah. kind of group, particularly the 18 on the field that we'll mm. be seeing um, against the mm. Lions. I agree. And really the last injury to touch on, it's not really an injury, more of an illness. It's Caleb Marchbank. Mm. It's a weird one. Uh, the post-viral symptoms of an illness, meaning that he's not 100% ready to go, won't feature in the game against Melbourne either. I assume he'll be good to go for opening round, but does his kind of lack of preseason game appearances, does it change your current opening round backline at all? I know it's it's the conversation that we maybe didn't get a lot of answers to from 
their game against yeah. Geelong as far as the tall forwards go with Weedering out injured. Um, but yeah, does his mm. lack of appearances change how you're seeing the the lineup at the moment? For his place in the side, I think if you're going to take that stance with like Owies and Durden, for example, mm. you have to take the same one with Marchi. Like just mm. with his history and, and the like, I think it would be, you know, not to put the medical hat on, but it mm. se- seems like it would be further towards the irresponsible side to do that personally. Like, I don't know. Uh, n- not that I was mm. blown away with the other options for him, yeah. but... I'm not. I don't think we're going to see him in opening round personally. Mm. It seems an odd one, just because you're probably not getting the clarity on what is wrong with him. And I know we don't always need to know everything with this one, but yeah, yeah they're totally. not maybe having that clear view of is he back fully training and ready to go, but we're just holding him back because he's not a hundred percent. I don't know. And at this stage, yeah, I think yeah. I'll probably. I, because I've said it on the other players that I'm airing on the side of who's fit, I feel like I should continue that. But, I mean, we'll kind of yeah. almost pivot straight into the other big story, which was reacting from the match simulation and the key defensive dilemma. I just don't feel we're any closer to answering that question no. because of the performances of both Lewis Young and Brody Kempen. I don't want to take too much out from the game against Geelong because... As I said, it's a glorified training session. It was a hot, hot day. It was windy conditions. It felt like it was a lot more just to get, you know, runs into the legs rather than a a proper, really, really competitive game of football. Not sure how you saw it, but yeah. yeah. I mean, what did you make of the performances from Lewis Young and Brody Kemp? And are you any closer to understanding Mm. the, the maybe three key defenders that you want leading into opening round? Like we said we said last week that we weren't going to overreact mm. to this game like beforehand. So you're right. We're not going to do that now, mm. even though it, you want to in a positive and a negative way on different guys. But no, definitely definitely no closer. They both did some good things mm. and did some bad things, uh, mm. as did everyone. Pretty much every player did some things where it's like, what was that? What were you doing there? Skills-wise, decision-making, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm honestly just flipping a coin at this stage. We're not even flipping a coin because there's a but there's there's four yeah. guys. McGovern's the one mm. where it's like, oh yeah, buddy, you are mm. you oh, are lock. locked and loaded. Um, but yeah, man, you mm. can make a good you can make a good argument for any of them. Mm. It's going to be really I'll interesting. Stick with my guys. I'm probably going to temper it until I see them again against. Melbourne in a bit more yeah. of a competitive game. If they both have similar performances, that's when I think I'm really going to be like, I hope Marchbank's fit because, I mean, we spoke about this in our best 22 uh. sort of depth chart episode. I definitely have Marchbank over a Kemp and I yeah. was probably leaning more towards, okay, I'm not sure I trust Lewis Young yet. So I think I'd just go Gov, Marchbank and Kemp and hope that those three can get it done. And especially yeah. after seeing... Lewis Young's performance, I'm more leaning towards that, but it's so difficult knowing that you just don't have that preparedness of a March bank. And I mean, we react to things so much that the Melbourne game, all of a sudden, if Lewis Young plays incredibly well, completely locks down his opponent, we're going to be saying, okay, he's a lock for opening round now. That's just going to be how it is. We're going to be flipping it so quickly. And so, yeah, I think I... If Marchbank's fit, I almost weirdly want to say he's a lock just because I think wow. I trust him a little bit more. Uh, but yeah. again, so much so much can change. But uh, wanting to be a yeah. bit more positive from the Let's match sim, what were your standouts? What were your key positive takeaways from what you saw last week? It's a massive cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. Genuinely, genuinely the fact that we didn't come out with injuries. Yeah. Like... Turning that game on and seeing what happened to Guthrie within the first 10 oh. seconds, it's like that, yeah, that could have just mm. easily been us. And I feel mm. like this whole podcast would have a very different feel. Um, mm. So that, I think that's that's genuinely it. Because for me, there wasn't really, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and overreact positively to many performances. It felt so like mm. business as usual to me for like so many of the guys. Yeah. So many just like fine games from so many guys mm. nothing spectacular yeah. for me 
No, 100% agree. It it almost it feels like every single year as this keeps building, we're just worried less and less about what we're totally. seeing in these things. It feels like oh years ago God, when we yeah. started this podcast, and that was probably because of the squad because it was so young. You really were dying to see what the improvement was going to be like, whereas yeah. this time we're not worried about that. Most of that starting lineup is basically locked in. It's then a few of those more fringe rotating players, the depth that we're going to see throughout the season that is really going to change. And I was probably what I was looking for the most. What's Ashton Moyer like? What, how does he kind of look at the level? Elijah Hollands, I thought was the big standout. Thought he was tremendous. Both of the Hollandses, to be honest, they they were, were, they were really, really trying the hardest, I would say, out there to try and prove everyone <laughs> wrong and, and lock themselves in, particularly when Elijah is. Knowing that he's missing those first few games, he has a bit more to prove than others. Apart True. from that, I really liked Gov's game. Thought he really, in Me the too. absence of Weedering, stood up, which is an exciting thing to see, even if it was just a practice session, if you want to say that, because we talked about mm. that last episode. Who's going to be the leader that stands up? He's kind of that seasoned veteran down there now. And as far as the the tools are concerned, so good to see that he really held his mm. own. And I guess Jordan Boyd was another that I've hyped yeah, up a lot. Point. And it was good to see him kind of perform to the standard that I was expecting. Uh, were there any other names or, or little things that you really enjoyed from that practice session? I'm going to call it. Yeah. You definitely took the key names that I had written down. Mm. Like Boyd, like... Yeah, like you said, I feel like a lot of like the hierarchy within the the best team as well is like quite clear. Like, mm. I don't know, I just I just don't see, I don't see massive jumps from within the best twenty two from many guys. Mm. Ollie Hollands is one where yes. I could see that kind of jump, and yeah, the more midfield time is yum. And you're right, maybe it was just he was that he was trying harder than everyone else, but yeah, he had he had mm. something special going on. Um, I think on the leadership thing down the back line, um, I feel like Ed might have said this on the um, commentary as well, but like Nui and Saad down there, like they just continue to be so damn rock solid that it's not, it's great that we have them knowing that we're going to be without weedering for a couple. Like, I don't know. I don't know if we Mm. would have said a few years ago that we had so many of those, like those guys Mm. that were just so reliable. So that's good along with Gov, but yeah, it was just so mm. BAU for so many guys for me. Um, yeah, I oh, mean, ha- got, got, Harry yeah. is one to call out. So I saw such different comments about him <laughs> on Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't know. You, you, well, you can go ahead and, and lead us off. Mm. Oh, well, seeing him for like the opening play, just take that absolute clunk. It was, oh, yep. shit, Harry's come to play. Big season, turn it around. And he was... It was an interesting game. I know a lot of the rhetoric around Harry's obviously is he over the yips, the goal kicking issues. Yeah. Is he is he gonna just never miss again? And I think it's naive to think that he's just going to all of a sudden hit every single set shot that there is. And I think we saw the best of both worlds with him to an extent. What I loved was that he didn't stop going for it. He was mm-hmm. so strong in the air. Every bit about his game, really, apart from the finishing 100% was amazing. And then even then, I definitely saw a bit of a shift. I'm not sure how you felt. Not sure how those in the comments on YouTube feel. Very keen to know your thoughts on Harry because he's so polarizing. But I thought it was a little bit more assured where he was on the ground as to what he was doing. When he took the mark, it was, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going for the snap. I know exactly what I'm doing. I can calm down and go through my routine. Whether it worked or not in that aspect, (laughs) I think that's the thing that's clearly going to build yeah. and they're going to still talk about it throughout the year, but I was a lot more confident knowing that I was looking at him and the body language suggested that wherever he was, he knew what he was doing. He knew it was the drop punt mm. here, knew it was the snap here. And I think that's given me confidence that this will slowly progress throughout the year and, and he's just going to keep improving in, in that, as I guess, part of his yeah. game. Where do you see it? Because I feel like there's a bit of disagreeing in that. So I'm very keen to know your thoughts. No, I, I am pretty aligned with you on this. Yeah, it, it's it's so harsh because he mm. can do so many good things in a game mm. and it was a missed kick with his first kick of the game. And wasn't the, the hit, only one. <laughs> the hitting the the hitting the post 
Um, yeah. I think maybe it was the start of the third from like mm. directly in front. They're like those, yeah, it, it's those mm. individual moments that get that overshadow yeah. all the other good things. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. I, I really liked him taking CBAs. Like, not that that's my, not that that's my, mm. okay, let's lock in and do this now. But I guess if you think about us framing the pre in the preseason, what are our biggest concerns and ruck depth being one of them, I mm. think at least this is a lever that could be pulled before some other levers that mm. we may not want to touch. I honestly do agree with that. I think it's an interesting one. We saw it a couple of times last season. He wasn't amazing at it. I, it, It's a weird one. A lot of people were saying he was really good in the ruck. Others saying, I never want to see that again. That was horrific. I feel like I'm yeah, somewhere in the no. middle where I love the idea of it. I want them to try it. I think inside 50 is probably where I want to see it a little bit more rather than the CB, more rather than the center bounce itself because I'm not sure he's there just yet. But, I mean, preseason's the time to try it. He needs to get the reps in because, hmm. like you say, we, we don't have great ruck depth. Pitto and TDK have missed times of football, particularly Pitto. Who's that other yep. Ruckman in the squad? JSOS is now ruled out as an option completely. So who is it going to be? And we don't want Charlie in there. We'd all probably rather Harry be around it. So I think it's something we've just got to persist with to a degree. I'm hoping yeah. that Pitto can stay fit and him and TDK will be the tandem and that Harry can maybe get those reps and and get them in training and get them in the forward line rather than in the center bounces. But yeah, it wasn't right. amazing, but I love the idea and I'm happy they tried something different. If you take the actual like center bounce ruck contest out of it, which isn't the part that it does excite mm. me, I just felt like he brought good energy kind of mm. around the contest when he was more up the ground, mm. which is just like a, a bit of an interesting element to me. Like I know it's mm. all very specific plays, but there was the one where he kind of had a bit of a run out of the, out of the back line. And it was like, yeah. oh, this this is just a bit different. And and it's mm. I, I'm only looking at it in this lens because like scenario planning, if we get four or five rounds into this season and the kicking is worse than ever, is it just persist, persist, persist? Or are we gonna have to go, mate, mm. get up the ground? Like yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't think that that's likely, but it's possible. There's mm. like, <laughs> we all hope that the yips would be gone in this game with absolutely mm. zero pressure, and they weren't. Uh, it's interesting you do say that because I would argue, and feel free to disagree, that I thought yeah. Charlie's kicking in front of goal was much worse True. than Harry McCoy. It wasn't a good and day. There's, there's no conversation around Charlie in front of goal. And I understand why there's not. I'm not trying to say yeah. and make up an argument that isn't there, but it's just no, funny that. If he doesn't hit the post and that one goes in, I don't think anyone's saying Harry has any goal-kicking issues. They're saying, oh, I missed the Agreed. first one, whatever. And I know that's stupid because ultimately he didn't kick it. So you are reacting to what you saw rather than a hypothetical that I'm throwing out there. But sure, I want to see more before I'm going to say he hasn't overcome things. And of part of me, honestly, around Harry does just think that this is kind of what we're going to get to a degree. I think he's going to be someone that does miss some easy opportunities in front of goals. A lot of the good key forwards, honestly, in this day and age do miss them. I just hope that mm. he does build the confidence where, unlike last season, where it really felt as if when he was getting opportunities in front of goal that he didn't know what to do. He almost didn't look confident that he wanted the set shot. Hope it doesn't get to that. But it'll be interesting to see yeah. how it plays out. And I do agree with you. I think we need to try something because, particularly in the ruck, because around the ground, he's a good field kick and he's a good mark and can do a lot more. And maybe his athleticism will be a bit of a point of difference at stages. But, I mean, it's preseason. Yeah. One of the only things we tried that we maybe didn't see last year. So I do quite like yeah. that. But let us know in the comments right now um, what you thought of Harry Definitely. and the Ruck. Where do you, what do you think of his goal kicking and where you see him this year? Very excited to know. And if you're listening in podcast form, head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner. Links will be in the show notes and the description. Interact with us over there. Always keen to get to know your thoughts. Even long after this episode has come out, we're always on there. Always yeah. good to chat. And uh, was there anything else that kind of caught your eye that you thought was a main talking point from the match simulation, Lockie? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm keen to hear your perspective on this. Mm. I don't have fully fleshed out thoughts yet because a positive for me was times where we did the things that we love to see, like high reward kicks, run mm. like running past for the handball, breaking the line kind of thing. Mwah, looked mm. amazing. I still felt like there wasn't enough of that in comparison to long balls to a mm. contest where I felt it was lazy. Uh, there was probably better options that weren't taken. Mm. Um, so I don't know. That I mean, that was a thing from last year, I guess, that we mm. like the long down the line thing. And I'm not saying that we can do the risky, the fast play every single mm. time. I know it has to be a balance. But for me, I would have liked to see in a game mm. like this, I know it was hot, all those things, a bit more of that balance away from that where... I don't know. So many times where it either just became a dead ball or they would take a intercept mark and it's like yeah. well, what what was that? It is interesting. And my big thing that I'm starting to pedal a little bit is I'm just I'm so curious as to know what they're attempting to get out of and do in yes. these games and to go to sure. such an extreme with this and I'm not meaning it 100% it's more just an example but you just never mm. know in this because it clearly doesn't matter the result, what the instruction is. Like maybe at some stages sure, the, te- sure. the team are going, and I don't believe this, but again, it's an over-exaggeration. Maybe we're going, we need to really, we want to try against an opposition in a competitive game, kick-ins. How do we defend from kick-ins? So is there an element that they're going, just if you're inside 50, have a ping, because if you have, if you miss it, we get a chance to set up. Let's not, we're not sure. trying to worry about the inside 50s today. We just want to try this. So that's the directive. And that's stupid to say, but you don't know what random <laughs> plays they're trying to actually implement from this. And that's kind of my point, maybe around some of the transition. Like I thought at the start of the game, we saw a lot of the fast and move at stages. There was a lot of mm-hmm. turning the ball over. I wonder if there's a degree of, we're just going to try this crazy play. We're going to try this ridiculous high risk play a few times, see if it works, see what we need to do, get the evidence, get the feedback Mm. that the coaches like to use that buzzword the last couple of years um, and react to it that way. Um, So it's always that weird thing in preseason, which are kind of, I guess, I I feel like you you, you have some opinions on the, uh, what they're trying to get out of of preseason. No, I was just going to make a joke that, so you're saying that Harry's kicking has gotten so good that he hit the Mm. post on purpose to show what I'm saying. Let's practice get the, Let's get the tinfoil hat on me. I'll, I'll be ready to defend oh, it. Uh, but no, it I, I do agree. I yeah. think the skills were the, if you take anything out of the game, the only real worry for me really was just the skills. They weren't great. I get it was mm. hot. Maybe there's a degree, because I, I listened, I haven't listened to the full thing. Not sure if you caught any of it. Sam Doherty's interview no, on Dan Goringer's new podcast, Dan Does Footy. Listened to a little bit of it before we started recording this. And he mentioned that they're kind of at that point of preseason where they start to get more into the match training than preseason fitness training, which basically just means way less running. Now they don't have to do as many Ks per week. And part of me was wondering, maybe they weren't as good if I'm trying to defend the skills and I'm putting that hat on. Maybe it was simply they were a little bit more exhausted than you're going to see them. Therefore, sure. the skills dropped a little bit. But even if you have that argument, still probably the disappointment in that space. Thought if we're going to be using the ball like that throughout the season, that is a bit of a worry. But yeah, how, I mean, how much are you really going to take out of this? Are the, are the skills a concern to you from no. that game? Less, less for me even. Yeah. I, yeah. It's such a funny thing. And how much do you think, like it is so ridiculous to think about it this way. <laughs> But I'm going to say it anyway. Yes, let's go for it. If we won, mm. would you be feeling any different? Because I would. Mm. I think, Even I though think it's ridiculous to say it. Naturally, you do. Particularly around performance. If, I don't know, Ashton Moya kicks four, Fantasia kicks a couple more, all of a sudden you start to get a little bit more excited. It's that weird part of preseason. You win yeah. and play well, and it's, well, this is just what we're going to do this year. You lose and maybe don't play totally. as well. That's just a preseason game. We, we're always guilty of it, but I think you've just somehow got to put yourself in the middle of this, which I, I think 
we're trying our hardest to at this stage. Totally. It's so hard. It's so hard to do. It was yeah. not a game. Like it was just mm. so many variables that didn't make it a proper match. And yet there's just a part of me that's like, fuck, oh, God, yeah. I wish we won. Because mm. yeah. I, I think the only other thing that I'll touch, just touch on very, very quickly, was really yeah, just yeah. look at the small forwards, particularly with no Jack Martin. Yes. We didn't have a lot of them out there, which maybe made my first look at these guys not as enjoyable knowing that it was really Motlop, Fantasia and Ashton Moyer, if you want to put him in that kind of yep. circle as well. I think Fantasia was decent. Showed a, I yes. think he showed that he does have a bit of that spark in that forward line. He can make something happen out of nothing. Just maybe hoping for, to it. see a few more goals just to get me a little bit more excited about what I can expect. Motlop at this stage, he's kind of picked regardless with all the other injuries and what's going on. And then Moyer, I think yeah. he was fine. He... He kicked two goals. One of them was very much gifted to him in the goal square. Not sure you can necessarily count that one. And it was mm. good to get a glimpse. It was obvious yeah. that he wasn't 100% there. There was a couple of times contested one-on-one. -on -one. He probably just needed to put the body on, which he didn't. And again, he's like yeah. 18 years old. That's going to happen. He's going to take time. Totally. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he is in contention for opening round, if Jack Martin doesn't mm. get up and they find that as a replacement. But yeah, I feel as if because he's not selected in that Melbourne game, they don't necessarily see it. But yeah, I was, yeah. I was happy to get some glimpses, but maybe not as excited like the key backs where I was hoping to get a bit more of a clearer picture. Cool. This is the 100% nailed on forward structure and players that we're going to see week in, week out this year. Yeah. No, I'm super aligned with those thoughts. Yeah. I think the the pathway, like the, you can just se see such a clear pathway for Moya to be able mm. to develop into a spot yes. in this team. Like he did, he had such little impact mm. in this match simulation, and I still walked away from it being like, yeah, yeah, there's something here, there's something here he for was, sure. Which he is was really just in nice. those, yeah, he was in those right positions a lot of the time, whether he impacted or not. Yeah. Just being there, I think, is is always positive. But let us know what you thought of the match, Sim. What are you taking yes. out of it? What were you happy with? What weren't you happy with? Keen to discuss it all in the comments. But let's go to something we definitely have a heavy opinion on. This will be Ooh, one of our potential favorite, I guess, segments throughout this year. It was something when we were brainstorming, we we're thinking, what can we do to be a bit different? And this was probably my favorite one. I want to know if it's yours, Lockie. It is called Media Meltdown. That is the segment. Play the sting. I wish we had the sting. I've got to come up with these. That's my homework. That is something that I've Work got in to progress. come up with. Uh, as again, soft launch. Soft launch, people. Exactly. But this segment is <laughs> basically us trying to have a bit more of a level-headed voice of reason kind of take to the reactionary meltdown that either comes from the media, the mainstream media themselves, or what we find off social media. We're going to try and find one or two topics each week. If you ever want to suggest something for these segments, let us know what you want to hear from us because that's it. Yes. This podcast isn't just for us. If there's something you want us to chat about, well, let us know, and then we definitely can. Mm -hmm. And the one this week, the big, contentious, polarizing topic and meltdown was around Sam Walsh and particularly around that of Andrew Russell. Now, mm -hmm. again, this is probably the biggest talking point, most re reactionary meltdown. What did you make of the hysteria and what is your viewpoint currently, Lockie, on the injury and, I guess, to a wider degree, Russell's kind of regime around it? I really respected Tez's little analysis that he did um, mm. on the channel following it, where I think he made some really good points around, you know, we, firstly, we don't have all the details. Like yes. we heard, we, we heard that he's on a modified plan. Um, and I thought Tez made a really good point paraphrasing saying that, like, did we really expect that while she would just be absolutely full guns blazing, that back is never going to have any issues mm. again. Like that's that would be naive. Like look at so many other players in this list, and like so many guys, we're just never expecting to be the perfect hundred percent um, being mm. themselves. And the other really good point is we're always so not we. Some are always quick to judge like the yeah. failures of Russell and don't celebrate, mm. um, you know, the wins, aka Coleman medalist playing every game for the last two years when we thought he might never play again. Where's 
where's I guess the you know mm. the praise for Russell in that scenario. It's interesting. It's polarizing. People are very heated either way. My kind of opinion on it all, and again, I want to know what other people think, whether they're aligned, whether they disagree. Mm, it's a good discussion. Because there's a lot of good points coming from both sides, and I'm not sure who's exactly right. I'll always think I'm right because I'm an idiot, yeah. and I think that's everyone. Everyone always thinks they're right. And really my opinion on this is while she's yet to miss an actual AFL game, Mm-hmm. None have been played, mm-hmm. hasn't missed a thing yet. And you can well and truly call me naive. I, I, I've been called worse um, and say <laughs> that, you know, but until he kind of misses a game, I'm not going to be too concerned. And I think I spend yeah. I spend way too much time on everything in my life, worrying about things I can't control. I'm just not going to worry about a Walsh injury and add that to the list because, mm. look, it could just be soreness. This guy... He had serious, serious back surgery last year. Got through the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. He's had a heavy, heavy preseason. Who knows? Maybe it just got to a stage. Oh, all of a sudden, it's flared up a little bit, and he's fine. We've we've caught it at the right time. And missing these practice games, it means that he's perfect. Plays opening round. Equally, yep. he could miss the first month. We have no idea, you know. And so I just think it's kind of pointless mm. now for us to really worry about it like let's just wait and see what happens if he plays opening round we're not going to remember this no one's going to remember that time it flared up in preseason <laughs> when he while she plays every single game for the year wins the brown though how good so yeah for me i'm at a wait and see at this stage before i'm going to judge because like you sort of nailed it saying like we don't have all the information yeah we don't know yet he could be fine for sure so, so what about Russell then? Because he's one that you've probably been more opinionated. You're more opinionated mm. than me on that side of yeah. the club over the years. Where, where are you sitting with that? Mm. That's another interesting thing. I, I think that one of the main kind of arguments for those that are anti-Russell, and it's it's kind of the thing that I think frustrates me when you go on socials in these discussions. Whenever there is an injury, it feels like the people who are anti-Russell and have kind of made their mind up, they're the ones that react so negatively to these injuries. It's it's his fault again. It's his fault again. Yeah. Regardless of what happens, someone could do anything and it's Andrew Russell's fault. And it feels like they've picked their side and that's it. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm happy to go either way. I just want to yep. get concrete proof on something before I'm going to jump and call for someone's head. And as I was saying, like the big argument for them is that there's a lot of these load-related injuries, and that's kind of what it is for Sam Walsh. It's potentially a avoidable injury is, I guess, that argument. I'm kind of changing my tune a little bit in that the look injuries are going to happen. You can't necessarily <laughs> just predict everything. And as far as Sam Walsh is concerned, he's a player that pushes himself ridiculously yeah. hard. And knowing that it's pretty new, this back injury, and him having to deal with this for the rest of his life, is he at a stage yet where he knows how far he can push his body? Because that's what preseason is. It's we build you up to here and we're trying to push the limits. Sometimes you go over. It's about getting it at the right time so you don't make it too bad. And I know maybe we should be really cautious with Walshy, but I don't know. You can argue on the other end. You're too cautious with Walsh. You don't give him enough conditioning. You maybe sure. rest him all for the first month of football and you've stuffed him up. I don't know. I just, I just think that we really need to get any information. And and I'm, I mean, who am I? I am a guy that knows nothing about elite sport fitness and conditioning like most fans. So if, if I'm going to trust the club in, again, you can call me naive in this one, but I think that right now I trust the club that there are smart enough people in there that if they weren't happy with the results that were, were going on, Russell wouldn't be there. Things would be happening. I think, unfortunately, this is just something when you've got a guy who's got a serious back injury last year, it flares up. And again, he plays round one, no one cares. Yep. I agree. I'm happy to mark this this week's media meltdown mm. as a disagree. I think there's going to be times mm. that we're going to be addressing, yeah. you know, meltdowns and we're going to, you know, you mm. know back it in firing. potentially. But mm. not this time. Because the... The last thing I do want to just touch on this before we quickly move ahead is just, it's slightly part of this. It's maybe moving towards a different argument, but I think a big proponent of the meltdown itself regarding Sam Walsh 
is more to do with maybe the reporting of the injury. Many had already kind of heard the whispers of a Walsh injury. Same with Jack Martin. All of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, we finally get the news. Still kind of a bit secretive around the proper diagnosis. Is it soreness? Is he going to miss any games? Part Mm -hmm. of it may be they're managing. They don't know yet. That's just kind of how some of these injuries do work. But Lockie, my question, I guess, for you is, do do you understand the frustration around the reporting and are you at all concerned with the lack of timeline for his return with, I guess, many citing that his previous back injury, there was that change in his diagnosis from back soreness. He's only going to, he might, he's going to be fine. He might maybe miss round one. It's nothing to all of a sudden, a few months later, it's oh shit. He needs back surgery. Misses the first four games of the season. That's kind of what they're seeing as the cause of concern and maybe a bit of a lack of trust in the club and their reporting. How do you see that kind of playing out? And do you understand the perspective, yeah. I guess, that some are, are having on this? But they're also now reporting that he's getting hitting the track and hitting, getting ready mm. to go opening round potentially. The reporting thing, man, it's another one of those ones that I'm just not passionate about because... Yeah. Mm. We've had this discussion a few times now. So I was, I was interested to see if you have... Changed your tune a little bit, developed a bit more of an opinion. Because I know, not to just yeah. talk for you, but I feel no, like you do. have a bit more of the opinion around any competitive advantage you can get. Like, do you need to be 100% factual all the time? Mm-hmm. Do you, can you sometimes leave things not out there to the public so we can deal with it? And I think I that's sure. where I tend to disagree with you a little bit. And I maybe sympathize yep. with those that get angry at this because... I think AFL is going to find out. You're going to know, someone's going to know some doctor somewhere that, or someone who was in a waiting room, what's going on. The, the news will get out. It always seems to get out on player injuries. I think the people that care the most are the fans. Be truthful to them. Let them know what's mm-hmm. going on because you want to build faith with them because that's maybe what's hurt them in this sense where if they were slightly... I don't know what the word is, but we weren't forthcoming with all of the evidence and, and the diagnosis last time. Has that hurt them a little bit this time when they're deemed as being a bit secretive behind the Sam Walsh news? But again, to play devil's advocate, which I'm kind of playing both sides here, maybe they weren't. And that's just what happened in the scenario. They thought it was going to be something and then it flared up again through no fault of anyone and he required surgery. Like it's just, it's such an interesting discussion because we just don't, know every single detail and even if we did i'll be honest i put my hand up i'm not smart enough to know what the correct decision is in any of this i'm not a fitness expert (laughs) clearly if you look at me (laughs) like where's the line where do you draw the line with like communication on this kind of report like george hewitt rolls his ankle at training and doesn't finish the session but Mm. they think that he's going to be good to train in a few days yeah. Should they, the club be telling us that? What if it get? I mean, I guess to ask you a question before answering myself. Yeah. What yeah. if he obviously he went in, they, they maybe got some quick scans or something like that just to double check that they think he's good, but all of a sudden there's reporting on the injury. There's big murmurs that he's done his ankle. Do you think you should just come out and address it rather than it blowing up a little bit more? Because I feel like that's the issue around this in when the – because you don't address something, people start to make up the story as whatever they think it is rather than going off any facts. So should they come out quickly to sort of quell any hysteria? I don't think if there's rumours that are out, it's the club's job to knock down every rumour that, that comes out. Like if, like however that this hypothetical news of this yes. rolled ankle injury comes out, I don't think it's the club's job to... Oh, everything that's not factual that's out there, we're going to get on because we don't want people to get mm. upset. Like, I just don't think that's the club's responsibility in this scenario. Mm. And it just adds to it the fact that it's preseason right yeah. now. I have a bit yeah, of a different tune when it's, about, yeah. when it's in the middle of the season and like missing games and stuff is on the line. I'm, I'm more invested in it. But preseason, I just, mm. I particularly, yeah, I don't know. And it's not, and it's not the competitive advantage thing here for me. Yeah. While I do think that's relevant in other settings. I just don't think it's the responsibility of the club to keep us mm. informed of, you know, Every I was going to make a, yeah. a facetious comment, but yeah, like things like that, like who, 
you know, who's got the sniffles mm. at the moment? Because we don't want the rumors to get out there that yeah. some guy's got glandular fever. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know that we're investigating. Mm. Yeah. I, I reckon where I'm from this discussion, hearing your point of view, where I probably sit with it is we could maybe just word things slightly better whenever we do address it all. Sure. Maybe the issue would have been solved if it was simply, yeah, look, while she put up saw a week or so ago, we didn't announce anything because we just wanted all the information. We thought there's a potential yep. that he could pull up fine in a week once we've rested him and it's all good. We've just been monitoring the situation before we had something to report. And if that's, that's probably what agree. happened in this circumstance. My issue is because you just don't say something as simple as that. And my biggest my yep. biggest bugbear in life is people not communicating things that would just solve all the issues in the world. And I Absolutely. think that's probably it here. If that's all they said, they came out and went, yep, it was it was okay. We, we, we waited. Now we've got the proper diagnosis. We came to you when we had concrete. This is the problem. He's definitely going to not play. Now we're going to address it. You get more faith and trust from people. So yep. maybe just slight more clarity. I can agree with you on that. For sure. In that, I think is definitely going to help things. But yeah, it's where yeah. this won't be the this won't be the last time I think we have this discussion throughout the no. year because we love we love to go overboard when it comes <laughs> to it. But yeah, let us know what you think of the media meltdown. It's clearly going to be a big one because ourselves, everyone in the football landscape, we overreact to everything, and it's going to be a bit of fun. Now we're going to pivot to a lovely segment, a returning segment. This is probably yes. the only one we don't have a snazzy new name for. As we said, soft launch will get there. You've come up with a little kind of corner saying, ask the corner. That's yours, Lockie. You, you've thrown that out there. Ah, People know what they yeah. think. But we need a definitive name for the listener questions. That's what it is. We do. Where maybe you, you start to put each other in the hot seat. Whoever's asking the questions has to answer with no fence sitting allowed maybe we try to make this a really spicy segment where i do like the, they there's no there's no dodging a question no fence sitting has hmm. to answer the question i really like that and that's kind of the angle that i just inadvertently kind of took last year mm. um and i'm keen to keep that going because yeah grill the corner <laughs> grilling grill in the, the corner. corner grilling that's in really the corner <laughs> well feels too casual uh, you know the listeners are, have, have softballed a bit this week. I've got a couple that I'm going to give you, but I, I'm not expecting... If there's any danger of fence sitting here, we're off to a bad start and this segment's in jeopardy for the season. That's it. Um, but yes, er, throughout the season, every episode, we ask listener mm. questions. So be prepared each week to hit us up mm. on Twitter and Insta. So from So Race Boy, with options like Cunners, Fog, Elijah, Fantasia, etc., all offering different skill sets, what do you yep. think is the best forward line mix going into the season? Ooh. I think it's fair to say we know yeah. Charlie and Harry are in this forward line. They're there. But give us, you know, you touched on it when we did yep. our best 22s. You got a little bit more data now. Mm. Get off that fence. <laughs> I'll try my hardest. The only thing I will say, the only thing I will say to this, and I'm not fence sitting, I'm just caveating some things. I am going to take this and feel free to correct me. We'll make sure I'm not fence sitting. That's what I, I want to make sure I'm getting grilled properly here. You know, make sure it's it's well done by the time we're done. Uh, I'm going to say that the players that maybe aren't in line to play round one, I'm saying no Durden, no Owies, no Martin. Okay, I'm happy to say Martin for now, but no, oh my God, I've forgotten his name, uh, Holland. Holland who is currently not playing. I'm throwing them out of there because I think Hollands would be in straight away for me off his form. I do know that you think that. Yes. Oh, gee, this is tough. I've almost got to cheat here and find what my best 22 actually was. That's not cheating. That's called being consistent, and I respect it. Because I want to know who I had there. I'm definitely having Motlop. I'm definitely having Fantasia at this stage. Both of those guys were there. I'm going to have Cottrell. I'm going to have Jack Martin. Mm -hmm. And then I'm probably going to stick to really what my mix was in my best 22 episode where it's yep. I'm rotating that last kind of forward spot between a Doherty, a Walsh if he's playing, maybe even a Chera. Cripper can go down into that forward line and maybe he's the, the answer to a degree as far as that tall third forward is concerned. I'm going with mm -hmm. that mix. 
But gee, it's hard to not talk about your man, Dave Cunningham, when I thought he was another one of those standouts that just looks so smooth, super fit. He's probably like, he might be my in for Martin potentially. Sure, Um, me too. Yep. But yeah, I mean, and then it's hard to leave out Fogarty as well. It's a great mix, Uh, but what I said at the start is what I'm going to to hang my hat on. I like it. You're off the fence for that one. From Brad Nickel, um, interesting to see Billy Wilson named in the AFL team. Do you reckon a good performance from him against Melbourne mm. could pave the way for a debut against Brisbane? Oh, that's a big call. Remember I this segment, Ian? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm going to say no, just around, I'm not sure it's enough to, to no. say he's a, a 100% starter. We've got a really good midfield. If Walshie doesn't get up, there's still plenty of guys that can run through there and rotate. I'm not too concerned. That's probably where you maybe give Doc some more midfield minutes, which means a Cunningham moves into the team, into an area to rotate off that high half forward wing. You've got plenty of guys that can go through there. So I think that it definitely can pave the way for a debut in the early part of the season if he continues that form into the VFL. I am of the opinion that it, because he didn't play that game against Geelong and I didn't see him up against AFL players, if he had, if he had yeah. two games in a row blistering, dominating, I'd be saying, yeah, let's give him a go like we did uh, uh, Ollie Hollands last year. But right yeah. now, he'd almost have to have like 40 possessions and kick six goals before I'm willing to to throw him out there. I just I think we're at that stage where we don't need to rush the kids. Let them let develop in the twos like we saw at Jackson Bins last year. You heard it here first. 30 disposals and five goals, not good enough for Billy Wilson no. in the next It's 40 and six. Um, and the final one, yep. not Carlton related. Well, and kind we... of Carlton related, actually. From Ruby via Instagram. Hmm? What's your favorite team to verse Ooh. in the AFL? Take that how you oh, however you want. That's difficult. I think favorite team to beat is Essendon. There is Pretty but good. it's starting to move towards Collingwood after the last couple of years. It feels like because they're a better team, beating Collingwood holds a bit more substance. Whereas Essendon, they're dog shit. So it's like, oh, it's, Even it's like beating North. It means nothing. Year, but... Like beating West Coast. It means nothing when you when you beat Essendon these days. Um, yeah. But team, I think I'd like to come up against. This is a shit answer. And again, feel free to call me up on it. But. I just love playing either the shittest team possible. <laughs> so I'm so I'm really confident. So at what the moment it's day. West Coast because it's like, oh, I can put my feet up. I don't have to stress too much. Or it's yep. probably Richmond for a round one, but that's kind of been ruined this season just because it's a big occasion to start the year. I don't know if I've fence sat too much on that one. No, not at all. No. What's yours? I need to know yours out here. There isn't the same as fence sitting. Yeah. So I, I respect that. West Coast was the first one that popped into my head because I was like, <laughs> all I care about is winning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you though. It actually is kind of hard to decide between yeah. like, is an Essendon or a Collingwood mm. win more satisfying? There's so much stress I guess it is still to play them. So like wanting to play them is always just yeah. like, oh, because if you lose, it's so shit. But it's so big. Yeah. If you win, I get a lot more stress co- with yeah. Collingwood. But yeah, it's a, I, it's a good question. I agree. Let us know your answers to this in the comments on YouTube and if you're listening in podcast form at Navy Blue Corner. And if you're listening in podcast form, want to see Lockie's beautiful face in video format, head to Blue Abroad. That's where we'll be every single Wednesday with the podcast. It's going to be great. We love our new home. It's so good to be amongst some amazing Carlton creative minds right now. Lockie, we've done the listener questions and I just want to give a shout out to everyone that Gave their questions this week. As we said, this is going to be a real grill, the Navy Blue Corner. Ask the hardest questions possible. We're going to have to answer them. No No softballs. So feel free to throw them out. If you do it between the week, we'll jot them down. When we put the posts up on Twitter and Instagram, at Navy Blue Corner, we'll be writing them then. So stay tuned for that. Lockie, do we have any more spicy, fun new segments that we can launch today? Two more segments in our soft launch episode this week, mate. And this one, I feel like this is kind of the yin and yang to the the media meltdown earlier. Media meltdown, we want to take, you know, what what are the big things that are being talked about? Maybe give a fresh perspective. This one's under the radar. Are there things Mm. that maybe aren't being talked about as much that we want to give a take on? Mm. Any, Any difference to how you want to frame that? 
four of under. Oh, no, mate. You have absolutely nailed that. Look at this. A few years in, and we're just absolutely nailing these intros to the, new, to the new segments. We just need the sting, and then we're absolutely <laughs> sorted. And okay. it's going to be amazing. But Did you get I any, did you get any one... responses to your un- unsolicited uh, requests for help? Like putting stings together for us, doing our, Mate, you know, all the, the people admin. respect themselves too much. They want to get paid in this economy. So right. of course they no, listen to we, me, which, which we love. We really appreciate that from you no guys. Free labor, I yeah. have something to bring that I think is a little bit under the radar. Maybe okay. some people are talking about it. I don't feel like it's been spoken about enough and it's not like me to maybe bring a super negative, I guess, perspective to things. But we'll see where it goes because I think I like it's preseason. It. Everyone's positive. Everyone's talking about the fun stuff, apart from the injuries, apart from the personnel. Yep. We haven't maybe talked a lot about the coaching, the game plan, strategy, what we kind of need to do better. What are the issues that lay bare at the moment? Okay. So I kind of wanted to talk about it. And my big thing is, I guess, as far as coaching is concerned, do you have any kind of question marks or worries around Vossi and co headed into 2024, even around strategy and game plan. Cause I think I have a few that I think we're currently lacking Please. in that unless we maybe overcome them, we'll kind of stay where we are or I guess to be incredibly negative, go backwards is the, is the worry. Sure. Hit me with them. Okay. So I think, I think the first one's pretty obvious, but it's a bit of ball movement. I think this is the thing that yeah. the transition is maybe a take being taken a little bit for granted because of how he ended last season to get to finals. And then we win a few finals, so it kind of masks over things a little bit. But it was a big problem for the first half of the year. We really struggled to move the ball and in a good manner. And then when things kind of went against us, I'm talking the Sydney game late when the pressure came. There were plenty of patches throughout mm-hmm. the Melbourne game. And then really the Brisbane game for three quarters, we just didn't look like we were getting the ball moving it felt like we were still struggling with that transition game and really getting we, winning the game back on our terms is what I want to say. So I think that that's something that we need an element, whatever that is going to be, whether it's personnel, tweaking the game plan. I think we really need to address that because I don't want to be talking at this stage next year, having this as another problem where it's at key moments when the game went against us. We just couldn't move mm. the ball and we we were doing the same thing long down the line like you always kind of bring up. Yeah, interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how we adapt to that mm. this year. What we learned, I mean, that was the big thing about us getting into finals, right? Yeah. What are we going to, like, what's this experience going to teach us and can we ta- then take that into the next mm. year? I'm with you. Yeah, I like it. Um, Another one is just mm-hmm. kind of when things aren't working. There was a big patch last year. We all know about it. Was it, it took a while. We finally turned it around. But there's going to be, let's be realistic. There's going to be stages in 2024. Things don't go away. Maybe it's only one game dropped. Maybe it's two. Maybe we get into a little funk. Maybe we're still winning games, but we're not playing well. There's going to be times sure. in this season. Every, every team has them where you're not playing your best footy and you need to turn it around. I think one thing for me is just that we've got to learn to turn it around quicker and find ways to adapt faster. If we're in that situation again, where it starts to be in free fall, I'm not sure we can afford to waste half a season again. It must turn quicker. And it's probably going to happen in a different way when things aren't going 100% the way for Carlton. I'm Mm. just hoping that we're better equipped to deal with this now because of everything we've been through. But that's probably my big question mark when it's not going our way. How quick are we to adapt and fix these problems? Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's the big criticism I have for Michael Voss and co. Right now, we got ourselves into the rut. Can't yeah. be lasting that long next time. Yeah, I felt like we were banging our head against the wall on the podcast each week, mm. begging for yeah. like material change that we could see. Mm. Um, not kind of understanding what is going on behind the scenes. Yeah. God, mm. don't let us go into that into that scenario again yeah and really the last one is quite similar to that so it doesn't need as much addressing it's really it's it's hard to say because it's let me try and get the words right to this one Mm. it is something that's going to happen regardless of whether you're good or bad i just don't want it to happen as frequently in some of those bigger moments and that is letting teams kind of back in 
when we have had dominance, whether we haven't mm. put it on the scoreboard yeah. and finished the game. My mind goes back to if I'm being ridiculously critical, and that's kind of where I wanted to be with this. I wanted to be opposite yep. of myself and try to say, if I'm in the camp of we're not going to improve because of these reasons, these are it. And it was, you know, Sydney game. Should have had that match completely finished, had a massive lead. Sydney would look yep. nothing, and all of a sudden we made it hard for ourselves and a ball bounces a different way. All of a sudden, we lose that game. Clearly, the Brisbane final, you have the momentum. It shifts. You don't get it back. We've got to find ways throughout 2024 to just make sure we don't let teams in when we clearly have control and the game Mm. should be put away. That's kind of that next growth area. And that is the difference between top eight and top four premiership contender. It's true. It's true. These things that we're talking about, Mm. like it's, it's so nice to, I guess, see the progression over the years of us talking about the club, yeah. this is like, what are the things that are going to make us a genuine premiership contender? Like it's, mm. yeah, it's like the icing on the cake kind of things of this team. So it's a good spot to be in. Mm. It is. Now we will basically close with our last segment. It's going to be a bigger oh, one in the season. It's basically called one of the best names I think we've come up with, which is Blueprint <laughs> to Victory, which I'm sure people will love that there. Because we're midweek, Clearly, we're going to be reviewing and talking about things that have mm-hmm. happened, reacting to the big news stories, but we're going to be keeping one eye on the future, one eye on the game that will be happening the next week. And we're kind of in that point right now. We've got a practice match, which when you you might be listening to this and the game's already happened, I'm not sure. Maybe you've caught it early and yes. it hasn't happened yet. But this is where we want to maybe make a couple of predictions or talk about things that Need to happen. We want to happen. Whatever you bloody want it to be, really, in talking about the game that's coming up. That is our one and only real practice match against Melbourne. Lockie, anything in particular you're hoping to get out of this or see from this contest? Another cliche. Keep the injury free coming. There's nothing. There's no positives that could come from this game that would counterbalance an injury to someone who is in the best team. Absolutely. So that's number one. <laughs> you can go next while I sit on. Okay. While, while I check myself with what I was about to say. Well, I'm excited. And you better, no fence sitting. I want you to let us know what you were just about to say. It's I a will. cliffhanger. I'm on the edge of my seat. My first one is just that I want the Jacob Weedering conundrum, the defensive conundrum, closer to being solved. Whether that's yep. Lewis Young has a blinder, and, and, and Brody Kemp does, or they're all shocking. And Sam Durden absolutely dominates in the VFL. I'm glad we're going to get a, well, we're not going to get a glimpse of him because we can't see the bloody thing. They'll put that behind some sort of paywall that no one can even pay to see. It's ridiculous. Crazy. Uh, that's another thing that could have been on one of the media meltdown sections, but it's just me and I'm the media. Um, but I'm hoping that we're one step closer to understanding what is happening, who's going to play, and it be because of a positive showing in the game wow wow so you're feeling you can be that swayed by a good performance in this in this preseason game well i just want to be i want to be confident that i see the structure and you go okay beautiful sorted rather than what we saw last week yeah i get that Mm. i feel similarly about um the ruck situation with pit named it was kind of a bit like oh what have we got here without him running out against shalong Raise a few eyebrows. Mm. So I'm keen to see how that works in this game. Mm. What I was going to say before, like, I I don't necessarily believe wholeheartedly in this. We've already talked about it. But Mm. I'd I'd love to get just Harry to go through a game with Mm. zero, with with nothing that dents his confidence. Yeah. Essentially. I don't want him to be going into round zero with two two things behind him where, Mm. I don't know, I I just want him to just get that mindset right. So I just hope that he gets through this game being like, all right, mm. I'm on the right direction. Yeah. yeah, less external noise would be lovely on that. Just concentrate on what's working yeah. well would be beautiful. Um, I'm like you. I've got really two others. They're not amazing, yep. but I'll say them anyway. One is really simple. Better skills, better ball use. I yep. get it. It's preseason, but if you start to it's see gonna be it hot again, again, does it become a trend? Oof. 
you can excuse certain things, but just a few more sparks to get me excited. Better ball movement, better skills. So we don't have to talk about that next week. And then the last one's more fun for me. Billy Wilson named in the team, kind of maybe like a Jack Carroll was in the other game against Geelong. I don't know if he'll play the whole time or whether they'll just chuck him on when the yeah. game's done in the third quarter and we just everyone's got through, rest the seniors and give him a go. But I'm really excited just to see another young kid that we've drafted, see what he's like at a somewhat AFL level. Just show me someone I haven't seen much footy of before. That's that's my kind of excitement point going totally. into the uh, the Melbourne game. Got any others before we, we wrap this episode up? Are you going to be at Icon Park? We will see. We will see. It's going wow, to be very it's a TBD. Close. It's a TBD because it's a very close call between me wrapping up work and being Damn. able to get there on time and seeing how hot it is, that could potentially... It's looking like a warm one. Yeah, I uh, may be a very fair weather supporter and, and sit from the comfort of my home. We'll find out. We'll find out if the trains are running, if the trams are going well, you should see me there. Like so it. Melbourne... Is it still Metro? It's not Connex anymore. We're still going Metro. It's on you to uh, to Jesus. nail this one for me and get me to Icon Park. But that's going to wrap up this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you've watched along on Blue Abroad, let us know what you thought to everything we covered. What do you want to see Please. from the current preseason game? How are you feeling with the defensive players? Who's going to take over Weedering's spot? I want to know everything, all the answers to the questions that we have proposed in this. If you're in podcast form, make sure you follow to not miss anything and head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner to interact with us and let your thoughts known there. We love to hear it, but that's going to end this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a bit of a review of what we just saw against Melbourne and of course previewing the big, big game, the first game against Brisbane. I cannot wait up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.